The Raising of Lazarus, part two. Good morning, Christian America. Today, we're going to finish the story of Lazarus's death and Jesus who comes to the rescue. He purposefully waits after being told of his sickness, and then he privately tells his disciples that Lazarus will perish, but that the power of God will be shown through this action, through his death. And so that's where we left off last week. This week, we continue through the rest of the scripture. Let's see what takes place, how people react. Let's look at the faith of Mary and Martha and the skepticism of the religious leaders of his day. As we get into scripture, we're going to start at the gospel according to John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. Good morning, Christian America. And good morning, Christian America. Eddie here is always representing the Christian American revitalization effort. We seek to revitalize the Christian faith across our nation. We do that in a few ways. One of the ways that we do that is this podcast. It's this YouTube channel, the Good Morning Christian America podcast. We come to you to get you into scripture because it's so important. We come to increase your faith um, in God who has given us all certain gifts. And if you don't know that, if we collectively don't remember that, it can be easily lost in the shuffle of the day-to-day -day grind because we have a world who, who doesn't want us to focus on, on God. He, they, the world wants us to focus on it, on the trappings of it. Another way that we uh, try to spread the good news is through ChristianAmericanTees.com. You can go to ChristianAmericanTees.com and pick yourself up some Christian American apparel to show the world that you put Christ at the forefront of your life and that you're trying to live out this Christocentric life. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come to you as we come to you every Monday with some scripture. We're continuing our journey through the gospel according to John. We're in chapter 11 today. Uh, last week, we discussed the first half of the death of Lazarus. Jesus is notified that Lazarus is ill uh, and that he might die, um, but he stays yet in Bethany because that's where they tell him, and um, which is not far from Lazarus's home, but he chooses to stay there for about four days, um, recognizing what is about to take place, obviously knowing what is about to take place. And so Jesus preludes his actions to his disciples privately in the beginning chapters of John 11, discussing Lazarus, saying that Lazarus is going to die, but that the power of God will be shown through his death. And that's where we want to pick up today. Uh, and I'm, we're going to read scripture to you. We're going to show it to you. That way, you know exactly what's going on and understand what exactly is being said and what Jesus exactly does. And then we'll talk about it on the backside. Verse 17, it says, when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. And Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly saying, the teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to go to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to see where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay, a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you are always, that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said that, he, when he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to him, untie him and let him go. Friends, this is the power of God. He, he speaks the truth in a way that is not of this world. When he tells Mary, or excuse me, when he tells Martha, that Lazarus will not die, that I am the resurrection, he says. He says, if you believe in me, those who believe in me will not die, but will live. And even if they perish, they will still live. This is the complexity. This is the juxtaposition between the, the, the spirit life and the earthly life, the life of flesh and temptation and the life of God. Those two things are different. This is a harken back. This is a, a, a very similar dialogue in the... It, in, in the terminology of living and life and death that Eve first has with the serpent in the Garden of Eden. When the serpent says, surely you will not die. After God says that if you eat from the tree, you will die. You see, God speaks of something higher. God's kingdom is not of this world. He, he, he speaks and he, and he teaches at a level that is above that than the world that we are concerned or consumed with. That's why when he says to Eve, you will die, he means spiritually. He means you will be cast out into the darkness. You will be cast out of the garden. You will be cast out of paradise with him. The serpent twists those words and the meaning of those words to make it seem like earthly death. 
And so Eve is tricked and he's fooled. Again, Jesus at this time when he's talking to Martha, he's talking about the everlasting life. It's not to say that you and I will never perish this earth on this earth. Because obviously that's not true. But the Lord isn't worried about this earth. He's not worried about your flesh and, and, and bones. He's worried about your soul. He's worried about your spirit. When he speaks about living forever, eternal life, never perishing, never dying, he's speaking about your soul, about the essence of who we really are. This isn't a body with a soul. This is a soul with a body wrapped around it. The core essence of who you are, the core essence of who God made you is within. That's what God speaks about. That's what Jesus speaks about. You can look at all of these different people in this scenario and you can relate to them. You can relate to the confusion of the disciples who don't know what Jesus is doing. Why are you waiting around? And so they ask him. But Jesus has a plan because he knows that the glory of God will be fulfilled through Lazarus' death and his resurrection because Jesus calls himself the resurrection. You can find yourself in Martha previously bouncing around the house when Jesus is there cleaning up things, busy, trying to make it all perfect, kind of uh, obsessive compulsive. She's the first one. She hears that Jesus is coming. She runs outside. You see, she's, she, she's very anxious, always. That's her personality. You can be there sometimes. I can be there sometimes. And she meets Jesus. She's like, what are you doing? Like, he, Lord, you, you could have saved him. If you were here, you could have saved him. And Jesus essentially tells her, not on your time. I don't act on your time. God doesn't act on our time. He has his own time. And if you wait, you will see, you will witness the glory and the power of God. And that's what happened. Jesus forced them to wait. And then they saw something they would have never thought possible. The power and the glory of Jesus. The one who is the resurrection, as he says. You can find yourself like Mary sometimes. Kind of distraught, stunned, staying at home, not not anxious, kind of down and depressed. But when she hears, when Martha comes back and says, the teacher is here, she recognizes that she must go. So we can't always stay down. Even though your brother, her brother just died. She's in mourning. People are comforting her. They're coming in the house. All these, all the Jews that are come from Jerusalem, they're there comforting her. That's what scripture says. But when Jesus arrives, friends, you got to leave whoever's around you. You got to, with, with all their good intentions, with all, whatever is going on in their lives, when Jesus comes to you, it's time to get up and move. Whatever else is going on, whatever tragedy, whatever sorrow, whatever accident, whatever turmoil, whatever obstacle, whatever challenge that is, that you're facing at that point, and the people that are around you, either comforting you or beating you down or doing whatever it is they're trying to do to you, they can't truly help you. The only person who can truly help you is Jesus. And Mary recognizes that fact. So even though he's, she's sad and she's surrounded with people who are comforting her or trying to comfort her and who are also sad, 
When Jesus arrives, she's gone. I need to go see Jesus. And she, as soon as she sees him, scripture says she falls down on her knees and she lays at his feet. Let us take a lesson from that. That when we recognize Jesus, we recognize the power of Jesus. When we recognize his presence in our lives, we fall down on our knees and we pay homage. We fall at his feet and we worship him. And the rest of the stories, it's pretty simple. They doubt, but Jesus silences their doubt. The Jews come out and they're confused because they don't know what's going on. Jesus tells Mary to move the stone, move the stone. And like, no, Jesus, like it's going to be, it's going to be a stench in there. Jesus ain't worried about that. Again, your problems are not his problems. Your problems that are enormous to you, that can't be fixed by you. He simply looked to the sky and asked for his father to raise Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. And he does. Jesus weeps prior to that because he sees the sadness. Lazarus is his friend. He knows what he's about to do. He's not weeping for Lazarus. He's weeping at the lack of faith. He's weeping at the scenario that's playing out before his eyes. He knows what he's about to do. He knows Lazarus is not done. It's the same weeping that Jesus does when he overlooks Jerusalem prior to his passion. He weeps because he knows what's coming. Not for himself, not for Lazarus in this case, but for the people around him because they lack faith. And so Jesus has to demonstrate his power and his glory and his might as he said he would earlier in this chapter. Friends, you got to understand what's taking place here. You have to understand what Jesus is talking about. You have to understand his ministry. You have to understand that we don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything. Anyone who does, you should be skeptical of. But we have to have faith in Jesus that he can understand and he has a plan for us. He understands things, un, an untold number, an incalculable number of times more than we can. We have a finite time on this earth to get our lives right and to prepare our, our, our kids and our grandchildren to live their, right, their, their life right before God calls us home. And we can live in eternity forever that we shall never perish. Our soul shall never perish. And that's what we're after. That's what the goal should be. And so, friends, if you like messages like this, if you get anything out of this, going through scripture line by line and verse by verse, in order and in context, we don't ask for donations. We ask for your participation. Just like and share with your friends on social media. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to this YouTube channel, this Rumble channel, wherever it is that you're listening or watching this. That's all we ask. You can also go to ChristianAmericanTees.com, pick yourself up some Christian American apparel. Engage, friends, in this hand-to-hand -hand combat because that's what it's going to take to defeat evil in this world. It's hand-to-hand -hand combat to Jesus. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, until Monday when we continue this journey through the 11th chapter of the gospel according to John, until then, you guys stay on fire for Christ. Stay blessed. Good morning, Christian America.